So today is, uh, is our fifth week in our series looking at the seven I am statements that Jesus made in the Gospel of John. So far we've heard four statements already. The first one being, I am the bread of life. The second one, I am the light of the world. And, and Kerry brought us the message, I am the door. And Caleb brought us the message, I am the good shepherd. And thank you to both of you for, for bringing those. They are great messages. And I hope everybody um, really had got something wonderful out of them. But today, we're going to be looking at what is possibly the most powerful of all of the I am statements. And it's when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Probably the most powerful statement that he makes about who he is. And he says this in the context, and that's why we had a big chunk of reading today, because the context gives us the understanding that we want to have this. Within John's Gospel of of his friend Lazarus, having died, and he speaks this statement personally to Martha and says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And I think this is probably the most important question, not only for Martha, but for the whole of the world, for whole of the history. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Important big question for you. Do you believe that Jesus has the power over death and will grant you new life? Central tenet of Christian belief. Do you believe this? And when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, and he questions Martha and says, do you believe this? And she she has a wonderful response. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Yes, you are the one who is to come. You are the chosen one from God. Wonderful. Important. Do you believe this? Let's just jump into it a little bit more deeply. You know, Jesus demonstrated his power over death by raising Lazarus from the dead. However, if you read scripture, you will find that Lazarus wasn't the first person to be raised from the dead in the Bible, and he also wasn't the last. So let's just go through a few. Uh, uh, Elijah raised the son of a widow from the dead. Elisha raised the son of a Sunamite uh, woman from the dead. Elisha, bones, dead bones, raised the body from the dead. Jesus raised two others, the son of the widow of Nain and the daughter of Jairus. Peter then goes on to raise Dorcas from the dead and Paul raises Eutius from the dead. So, you know, there's, there's a few people being raised from the dead there. Resurrection. But see, the thing is, when we want to focus on this and when we need to look at this, at Jesus' claim that he is the resurrection and the life, yes, it is said within the context of raising Lazarus, of allowing Martha to understand who he truly is, but we only can really understand this fully when we look at it in the context of Easter, 
when we look at it in the context of Jesus' resurrection and his ability to give us new life. So what I want us to do is to explore the notion of Jesus' I am statement. I am the resurrection and I am the light on the basis of Jesus' resurrection. Not on what he did with Lazarus, but on the basis of Jesus' resurrection because that is what is so central for us. That's what makes the power in the statement and the power of who Jesus is when he raises Lazarus from the dead. See, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4, Paul, Paul says, says this it was first, of first importance. For what I receive, I pass on to you as of utmost importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. You can see that's... It, Paul's going, this is the most important, this is the most central part utmost importance for us in 1 peter 1 3 it also says praise be to god and the father of our lord jesus christ in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of christ from the dead so what what have we got we've got new hope of life through the resurrection of christ from the dead so who is jesus i am the resurrection and the life so we can hear scripture is backing this up for us time and time again so as i said i want to look at I want to look at four things that Jesus' resurrection does for us and understandings for us that changes the nature of how we view things and will draw us to the question, do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? The first is that, you know, the resurrection of Christ leads, to, leads us to understand that death loses its sting that it no longer has the power that it once had. And you need to be really quite honest. And, you know, this is, can be a very sensitive subject for people. You know, death has a sting, not only for the person who dies, but for those who love them, who are there, who are left behind. From our worldly perspective, from our notion of who we are within this world, Death can seem like just a final end because we don't have the rest of the, the time with them. There's an ending there. That's the sting. It leaves a hole in our lives. And it can take years and years just to allow that hole to not be quite so painful. Mary and Martha, who we have in our story today, in our scripture reading today, they were feeling the sting of death because their brother Lazarus had died. You know, you hear it when Mary says to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. You can hear the sting that she's feeling, the pain that she's feeling. And you have this wonderful passage, this section where you hear Jesus see her weeping. The Jews who come along with her are also weeping. And Jesus is so deeply moved and troubled. For Mary and Martha, death had a sting. 
But Jesus provided comforting words to her, to Martha beforehand, and says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though he dies, will live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? It's based upon this fact that Jesus declares that he is the resurrection and he is, on the, li- he is the life that he's able to demonstrate his power. He is the Christ. He is the one who's come. He's the chosen one from God. And he brings Lazarus back to life. But that's only kind of a temporary solution, isn't it? We know that Lazarus eventually dies again. But Jesus proves that he has ultimate power and has a victory over death through his own resurrection It's an eternal life that we'll have with God. You know, 1 Corinthians 15, it says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? See, the sting of death is if we continue to live a sinful life, that will be lost. But if we follow and come to Christ, we will be saved. See, the resurrection leads to death losing its sting. But it also does something else. Jesus Christ's resurrection leads us from imperishable bodies to spiritual bodies. It leads us from imperishable bodies to spiritual bodies. You know, death, life, is very cruel to our fragile bodies. You know, we know that we are... You know that we have an imperishable body. You know, as you get older, things start to break and go wrong. They weren't once what they used to be. You know, um, I was told, uh, you know, by the age of forty, you, your eyes will not be what they once were, and that yes, it's just a matter of life, and deal with it. Wear glasses. You know, <laughs> it helps you. You know, um, and there's the whole thing about you know. Um, Joints that get achy. Uh, has anybody got aching joints here? A- apart from those who break things in there, <laughs> has surgery. So, but yes, we we you know even young you know pe- people end up having broken things and things that don't work. We all have perishable bodies that will wither and decay. And believe it or not, you know death in death our body actually decays quite quickly. Starts to break down very quickly. And guess what? When this raising of Lazarus was happening, how many days had Lazarus been in the tomb? Four. Four days. Four days in the tomb. And I, I love it, you know, you know the, the New International Version uh, is, is really nice. It's reasonably well sanitised in the way um, kind of speaks about it. Um, and, and Martha says to Jesus, you know, uh, uh, by this time there's a bad odour for it's been for, you know. Other versions goes, but he would stinketh. And I really like that because it really kind of just brings it home, you know, that Lazarus is dead, he's decaying, and he would stink, you know. Um, 
And that's just the reality to it. But then Jesus goes on and says, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? And Lazarus' body was perishable. Our bodies are perishable. But Jesus declares that he is the resurrection and that changes everything. You know, Paul writes something very similar in 1 Corinthians um, 15 verses 42 to 44 and it says, um, So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable and it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonour, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown in a natural body, it is raised in a spiritual body. And if there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Because of the resurrection, believers who are placed on the ground will be raised in glory with a new spiritual body that will never perish. So Christ, through his resurrection, gives us the ability to just not be a perishable body that dies and withers. And you know, believe it or not, that is such a view that the world has right now. The death is death and that's it, it's the end. Let's party on as much as we like. But we know that there is a spiritual body, there is a spiritual element to us that is so important and that we will have life everlasting. Now if we go on even further into scripture and just have a little look more at what, um, what is written in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 51 to 54. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not, at all, will not all sleep but we'll all be changed in a flash. In the twinkle of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. And he goes on to say, For the perishable must be clothed itself with the imperishable and the mortality with immortality. See, it's actually telling us to, to take on the mantle that Christ is giving us. Take on Christ for yourself that you may have that imperishable body because death will come and your body will decay, but your spiritual body will be there with God in heaven. See, the resurrection of Christ leads us to, to understanding that the death will lose its sting, that we will have a spiritual body, that our bodies will not just wither and decay. It's not the end of all things. And it also gives us this third thing. It also gives us a freedom from sorrow. You know, at funerals is one of the times when men are allowed to cry openly. That they're allowed to weep, especially in our Australian context, because real men don't cry. You know that, isn't it? Isn't that one of the Australian idioms that we have? But the reality is that it doesn't matter who you are in in a funeral, children, young adults, men, women, all will shed a tear. There's a fact of the grieving process of losing someone you love. It's healthy in actually to cry. It's, a, it's an expressing of our feelings. And as I said, one of the most amazing verses in the Bible is also the shortest, where it says in John's Gospel, it says, Jesus wept. And Jesus wept. He, he knew what would what his power was, he knew the possibilities, he knew everything, but he also still wept. His friend had died. Mary and Martha were heartbroken. 
They were weeping. And Jesus, in compassion and in empathy, he weeps as well. He embraces the moment and he allows himself to grieve. But he doesn't grieve as one who doesn't have hope, who's just gone, the body is dead, I've lost the person, I'm never going to see them again. So 1 Thessalonians 4.13 helps us with this. It says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of the men and women who actually have no hope. We are to grieve, but we are to find comfort when we know our loved one knows the Lord. See, that's really key for us. We're to grieve because we know our loved one knows the Lord, and that's an imperative for us. Do the people we love know Jesus Christ, their Lord and Saviour? Will they be able to have that spiritual body? Or have they denied that? Do they believe that Jesus Christ... He is the resurrection and he is the life. We're also told that those who mourn will find comfort, those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy, that the blessed will, will the blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It's normal and important for us to grieve. But as we go through scripture, scripture keeps on giving us and getting us to a point where we should not be sorrowful about this, full of sorrow and loathing, but we should be full of hope. We should have a time of grief because it is sad, but we should have hope because we can find eternal comfort. If we jump into Revelation 7, verse 17, for the lamb at the centre of the throne, that is Jesus Christ at the centre of the throne, will be their shepherd and, we, and he will lead them to springs of living waters and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So important that God is going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death, nor mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old things have passed away and see a new thing is coming. The promise in scripture in Revelation is that a new thing is coming for us. See, the resurrection of Christ leads us to understanding that the death no longer has a sting, that we can have imperishable spiritual bodies and that we can have a freedom from sorrow because we know that Christ, that God is there with us and we'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. Yes, we'll have a time of, of mourning, a time of grief, a time of tears, but God is there to comfort us. And we should find comfort because we know the loved ones who have passed away, who are one with Christ, who have said yes to Jesus Christ, will be with him in heaven everlasting. And the final point I want to make for is this, that the resurrection of Christ allows us to have is that will allow us to have an eternal reign with Christ. We will be with Jesus Christ. We need to realise that as we read this scripture, as we read the, the, the passage in, from John's Gospel, we could you know, think that Christ really wasn't in control. That, yeah, he just went off somewhere else when he knew his friend was really sick. And the word had come to him, why didn't he go earlier and be involved and, and raise them? And even the Jews that were mourning with, 
with Mary, you know, had that cynical thing. Well, he, he healed people from blindness. Why couldn't he come earlier and, and save Lazarus instead? Why did he have to wait so long? But I think the thing is that we need to realise that Jesus was in total control in this situation. Not only just in the moment, but in the time beforehand, in the situations with Mary and Martha, standing in front of that tomb, he was always totally in control. And see, when he's questioned, about whether it sh they should actually roll away the stone. Martha says, you know, he, he stinks. He's dead. He's still believing that Jesus doesn't have the power. You know, the question that was asked to her in the first place, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? The question comes back to her again. Do you believe? Do you believe you'll see the glory of God? That's the question that Jesus asked Martha again. That is he truly the resurrection of life? And if you truly believe that, you are going to believe me now. And he goes on and says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me and I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you have sent me. Important that he has come from God. And when he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice. And I, I'd love to think, you know, what would that kind of be? What would Jesus' voice be to, to raise the dead, to draw Lazarus back out? You know, a loud voice is a shout. Lazarus, come out! Or is it, you know, um, like a uh, Morgan Freeman kind of, oh, I can't do his voice, so I can't quite kind of get that, that kind of voice, you know, Lazarus, come out! You know, you know, a little bit more commanding and deep and, you know, uh, or is it something else? But you notice that, you know, there's something important, something powerful happening there. Jesus commands Lazarus to come out. He is the king of kings, the lord of lords, and he commands the winds and the wave, and he has victory over death. You know, we have such wonderful things for us to realise. That not only is Jesus able to command Lazarus to come out, but we have promises in scripture that Jesus is going to command us, those who are dead in Christ, he's going to speak to and command us to rise again. In Revelation 20, verse 6, not only will Christ command us to rise, but he will be told that we will also reign with him. It says, blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be the priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. You are going to reign with Christ. 
Jesus is the resurrection and the life. In Philippians 3.21, he will take these weak mortal bodies of ours and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same mighty power that he will use to conquer everything, everywhere. You know, when we ask the question, do you believe that Christ is the resurrection and the life? We need to ask ourselves, are we willing to believe that Christ's resurrection will lead into the losing of death's sting? Will lead us to have spiritual, imperishable bodies? Will lead us to have freedom from sorrow? Will lead us to to realise that we will reign forever and ever with Christ as Christ reigns, that we will be with him in all eternity? That's the question. See, the thing is, are you willing to say, yes, I believe? There's this story about a person, a guy who became a Christian, and he was asked why he became a Christian. He said, well, it was like this. Suppose you're going down a road. It's your life. You're going down a road. Metaphor here for you. Your life, a road, you're following it. And you suddenly come to a fork in the road. Which way do you go? Do you go left? Do you go right? And you notice at the fork in the road, there are two figures there. One is dead and one is alive. And they're in either way. Now, which one are you going to ask to show you the way to go? The one that is alive or the one that is dead? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? It's the question for us to answer for ourselves. Are you willing to say as Martha said, are you willing to say that and believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, that he is the Messiah, he is the Son of God, that he has come into the world to save it from itself and to give us eternal life. And I hope for you the answer is yes.